Welcome to the Winner Circle with Derek Pang and Bianca Leger. On this podcast, we'll introduce you to real-world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to uplift, inspire, and empower you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero. All right, we are live. And on today's episode, alongside co-host Bianca Leger, we interview a former squad leader of the U.S. Army, who's now a body architect and fitness coach based out of Miami Beach, where he leads group fitness classes and one-on-one training sessions based out of Primal Fit Miami. Using bodyweight exercises and barbells, along with unique tools like the steel mace and the steel club, his training methodology is built on four pillars, strength, conditioning, power, and mobility. He's a self-proclaimed freedom advocate. He's also passionate about firearms, fiscal responsibility, and crypto. Welcome to the Winner Circle, Grant Weedid. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me today. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. Likewise, Grant. And as we were talking about the start of this, our conversation prior to hitting record, the goal of this podcast is really to uplift, inspire, and empower all those listening along to have greater faith and belief in themselves on their journey ahead and to set up this positive vibe, um, to sink in. We'll have a very positive question. And that is, Grant, right here, right now, what do you love about your world at this moment? Not the world, the external world, but your world. Oh, it's an easy one. Uh, so right now, that's easy because I, I left my job of seven years uh, at this gym called Anatomy here in Miami Beach, uh, which I loved and I love cont- to this day. But I left that job in September of 2021. Um, so it's been just a little over six, eight months. And I left that because I was pursuing something. I didn't know exactly what, but I was pursuing why come to find this freedom like I wanted to get away from um for a a confinement I was in four walls beautiful walls it's like the very high-end nice gym all the amenities you can imagine but you're still even the the physical confinement and then also you're you're an employer or employee um and there's certain restrictions that come with that so these last few months it's just been it's been an adventure Luckily, I've, I've, for myself, I've set up clientele over the last seven years, and I didn't set it up purposely, but it's just so you develop relationships in any, wherever you are, whatever point in life you are, physical location, you develop relationships and a reputation, whether it's a good or a bad reputation, you develop one. So mm-hmm. my time, my time at that last employer helped me establish who I am in this town in Miami. And that's led me to taking off just private fitness. It's one-on-one, essentially, mostly one-on-one training. Um, and I'll get into some other things that I'm doing too. But um, that's, that's my day-to-day is, I would say, between four and at the most, maybe eight training sessions, um, mm-hmm. which, I was, which was what I was doing at Anatomy. I was training between, I would say, six and maybe 10 at the most mm-hmm. sessions at Anatomy where everybody's coming to me. I'm in one physical location and everybody comes to me, which is super convenient, but also it's like, feels like conveyor belts. Okay. Who's next? Who's next? What's next? What's next? 
and it just becomes it became like okay i'm gonna go in at this time i'm gonna leave at this time and, and clock in clock out like a lot of like a lot of jobs and and the rat race scenario scenario some people find themselves in when they're working corporate world and things like that it was a very not corporate job in certain ways but in other ways it became and it sort of started to feel like that over the course of of my journey over the seven years um so yeah where i'm over the last few months have been just a, a wild ride of, of of just being able to it's, it's not wild it's actually less wild it's not a lot less a lot more tame than uh than i thought it would be because people fell into place they they reached out to me they found they they heard that i'm training people outside of a gym they don't have to get a membership to anymore and they reached out to me and, and it, things worked out doesn't always happen that way and it you know things will they ebb and they flow um throughout the year with clientele and business but um generally things have been looking up and it's only been a a, a line a straight line up for me in this particular part of my journey uh, mm. but there was a lot a lot of build up and a lot of like things that had to fall into place for me to, to get to where I am right now. So I'm in a, in a comfortable place and I'll say comfortable in, in a positive way. And I know because it can be negative too, but uh, I'm in a good place right now. I feel great. Mm -hmm. I love well, that congratulations. Record. Yeah. Thank you. That, Thank you. That leap of faith and it, it pays off. It really does when you mm -hmm. step into that unknown. <laughs> That, that's what it took. And that was like one of those things where, you, of course, right after it, you feel good after you've left. That's like, why didn't I do this sooner? Like, why? what took me so long? And it wasn't COVID. It wasn't the COVID stuff that pushed me into it, really. Like, yeah, looking back, I could have done it before then. Uh, but there's just a, a few events that took place over the course of, of the, the quarantine slash like restriction period, even political, like looking bigger, broader uh, events and going out in the world, like I just want the freedom to not be tied to somebody else's pursuits, which yeah. helped me learn when I did it, when I was working for somebody, you're like, you're, you're helping them get to their dream. Um, and they, mm -hmm. in turn, they, they, they teach you things and you learn from, from working for them. But at some point there's a diminishing returns with what you get from those situations and those uh, employment situations. So mm -hmm. for me, that was, that was the time seven years was it. And, and I've moved on since. Love, love anatomy. Love Mark Megna, who runs it, who's the owner operator of three or now I think four locations in in this area, and they're doing great things. But just you know, mm -hmm. just, I just, I grew it, not in a not in a superficial type of way or like a like I'm better than that. It just wasn't wasn't serving me anymore. Mm -hmm. so, An evolution yeah. needed to take place, and uh, I feel that. Um, that calling to step into your own your own space rather than that feeling containment built up mm -hmm. over time and you you had that gut feeling and, but then you finally had courage just to step in do it and make it happen let's talk about that process where did fear come in to this conversation and what have you learned about fear in your your journey as a fitness trainer, but not only as a fitness trainer, as a squad leader in the U.S. Army, and just as a human being in general, how have you used fear as an ally in your journey? And I'm glad you brought that up as far as fear is concerned, because like, I don't generally, we don't look at ourselves as being fearful people. Um, you know, you can be a God-fearing person, but 
you're not like scared of things like you're scared of snakes or like super, you know those type those type of things but fear like you have to put some deeper thought into what what am i afraid of and it's not something that you discuss like lightheartedly you have to be like serious and really think deeply into it and i've always when i when i've had these thoughts or when i've been able to think deeply with uh, my team meetings at uh, anatomy mark would hold these meetings where all the trainers were together and we were very 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 private conversations between just amongst the small team mm-hmm. um we got to discuss some of these things i remember one of these meetings i mentioned forget why or what the question was but the the topic of fear came up and my greatest fear since I was in high school and and when I was growing up in Chicago uh, was being mediocre, just being average and being just like everybody else. That was for me, the number one thing I would almost, I would rather fail. I'd rather just, just suck at something and figure that out, find it out and do something different. I would rather fail than I would just being the same, same old trainer, not even training outside of fitness. I would, I would, I feared working at a corporate job for 30, 40 years, retiring and just doing the same thing that all my friends and friends, friends and their families that did. Um, I'm an only child myself. I don't really have an example, like older brother, younger, older sister or anybody uh, really to look upon my parents. My dad was much older. Um, he was 40 when I was born. So it was like, I didn't really have my parents got divorced early on in my, my uh, childhood like in school. Um, so just had a lot of not turmoil, but just different. I had a different life situation than a lot of friends of mine, but, um, yeah, to come back to the fear part, um, yeah, mediocrity, that was it to boil it down. Mm-hmm. And then, um, if you want me to go into as far as like from my younger years in high school and then so moving forward, out of high school, 18 years old, uh, I actually joined the army while I was in my senior year, um, mm-hmm. where you, they had this program called the delayed entry program. So you can, you start, you're actually like signing, you're signing your life away before you graduate on, on you know, on, with a, under the expectation that you get your diploma and then you can go to training, like start your initial entry training after that. So that was like my first thing of like, I'm going to do something different. Because yeah, I was afraid that all my all my friends are going. They already got their uh, acceptance into X, Y, or Z university, mm-hmm. and and so did I. Actually, I I, I did get accepted to to uh, Northern Illinois University, uh, so temporarily. And I went yeah. to basic training. I went to basic training a few months after I graduated high school. I'm in the middle of basic and shooting. I actually was doing a rifle course, rifle qualification. I shot expert, which was like top tier a couple, you know, top like 5% of the, of the company. And I got to call my mom and I called her and told her what I did and stuff. And she's like, Oh, Grant, I got this letter in the mail. It says something about like, um, it was was essentially a rejection letter after the fact, because my grades, my senior year was so bad, my, my second (laughs) semester. So I'm like calling my mom for this fun, cool thing. I just like, I'm really excited about, and I get bad news in return. I'm like, Okay, now what the heck? What am I gonna now? What am I gonna do? I'm gonna go back home. And I, sh- I should mention I, I did sign up for uh, Army Reserve, so this isn't me like going off to get stationed somewhere full time. Yeah. Um, I was I was planning on like having a either going to school or having a job, regular job for a little while while I did like the you know one week a month, one weekend a month, two weeks a year. I'm not sure what your guys' equivalent is in in Canada, 
but here you have the National Guard, you have the reserves for each different branch of the military. Yeah. And you, you, you can serve like it's on a part-time basis. So you get a full-time training like set up when you start one, two months, six months, depending on your job. And then you go back home, do your thing, whatever it is. A lot of kids to school and that's typical. And then older adults that are in the reserves or working in their regular jobs and they have their families and they just do the army stuff or the, the Marine stuff like once a month and then a couple of weeks in the summertime to like keep their training up. So that's what I, that's what I signed up for. And okay. uh, so I, I got this message saying like, yo, you're you ain't going to the school you thought you're going to go to basically. Yeah. So I, I come back home from basic training and I got nothing to do. And I, I got, I'm in the reserves. So there's something to do like two to four days a month. But other yeah. than that, I'm watching infomercials and I'm, you know, I'm 18, 19 years old and I'm, I'm drinking and going, doing what, what kids that age do. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was kind of like with no direction. I had nowhere, yeah. nowhere to point my, my energy. And yeah. I saw an infomercial on the TV and I, as it was for Universal Technical Institute. Have you guys ever heard of that? No. What is that grant? Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a mechanics school, like where you go for auto mechanics. Okay. So, so I saw this on TV and like, and it, it, it was only one of these national schools is nationwide, but there's only like three locations or two locations. And one of them was in the town that I was living in, in suburban Chicago. So I was like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Perfect. So yeah. a year and a half, it's one of those schools that's like straight through. It's not like a traditional school where you have like your gen eds or things like it's just, a te- it's a, a trade school essentially. So you learn how to be a mechanic buy the tools, you get all the gear and all that. So I worked that 18 months, pretty much straight through from beginning uh, to the end. And um, I worked at a, like a tires, tires and oil type place, busting tires and getting my fingernails dirty and all that. And I did that after I graduated too. But then it was like, I look up at these like 50 year old guys I'm working next to and they're just miserable. They're out of shape. They look, they just look unhappy. And that's mm-hmm. that I bring myself back to like that mediocrity thing. Like, like I don't, I don't want to be like that. Mm-hmm. And if you start surround yourself with people like that, that's what you're going to become. You're like a product, of your environment at some oh, point, sure. you're going to morph into that. Yeah. So I'm like, so I start working out again. I'm like, I'm at this point, I'm like 19, 20 years old. I'm working out again. Um, well, I was, I played football in high school and baseball. I was never any good, but I, I was like an, I was an athlete that pretended to play. I played sports, but I just, I uh, could run fast and jump, but I wasn't really skillful at anything. So mm-hmm. I, but I liked, like the lift. So I got back into lifting just like, you know, after work. Um, and then a few years go by, two years go by. I think when I'm out of school, that, that tech school is like 2007, 20 years old, my reserve unit gets deployed to Iraq which is a process. It's not just like you're going next week and you're in Iraq. It's like a, probably a three month buildup into yeah. from training, training stateside in America to Kuwait for a month. And then you get to your, your place, your mission, whatever you're, whatever you're going to do in country there. So I was in Iraq from 2008. I remember it was leap day of February 29th, 2008 is when I hit boots on ground in Ramadi, Iraq uh, with a military police company. Um, I was an engineer, so I was sort of doing some of the stuff that I was going to school for. And I was, you know, I wasn't working on cars, but it was like, uh, like hands-on stuff, building mm-hmm. guard shacks and, and doing some construction and just various things like that. So that was a nine-month deployment with that unit from, they were from Chicago. 
and I was in Iraq with the military police company. They went, they were almost about to go, or we at the time were almost about to go home. I chose to voluntarily stay with another unit that was already there that would just started their deployment. And I had a sergeant that was helping me because I, I couldn't do any of this paperwork stuff, but she, she helped include me in, in her, what she was doing too. So she was doing the same thing. She was going to extend as a voluntary extension. Um, I stayed on for another, I think it was eight months. So like 17, 18 months total um, straight through came back for two, two R and R like back home, uh, like breaks, two week breaks. But other than that, it was pretty much straight through there from 2000 and yeah, like I said, 2008, all the way to like May of 09. Uh, while I was there, I uh, applied and got accepted to Illinois State University. So I ended up following through with my, my college pursuits. Yeah, came back, didn't have really a direction as far as like what I wanted to do specifically. But while I was overseas, luckily enough, between missions and things that are important and serious related to to like the military and, and what we're supposed to be doing. I got the train, I got the workout, got to help my friends and guys that I was that were in my unit that also wanted to pursue that. They may not have been in some great it wasn't like a Navy SEAL unit. This is this is kind of like everyday average Joe's. Like no one's no one's uh like a world beater like physical specimen over there. So it was yeah, it was like what I what you come across here in the real world, like ever like everyday people, except they were just they were deployed with me. So some were young, some were older. Um, but I got a chance to influence those guys and they were just kind of like a lot of it was just like do what I did type stuff. I wasn't like a trainer, wasn't trying to be a trainer, but yeah. we were working out in a proper gym in Iraq together for, with various guys coming and going over the course of the, the year plus that I was there. And I decided that I wanted to go to school for exercise science. So I went to Illinois state, followed through with that after I got back in 09 and, and I did my four year degree while there. So I completely Beautiful. forgot where this That's question huge. started, but this was, <laughs> I'm trying to chronologically work my way to where, uh, where, you know, I know fear, fear was where it started. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm be fear. becoming less fearful as, as I'm, I like, I, I get confidence. I gained confidence from this experience. Luckily I didn't get blown up. My friends didn't die. Um, I didn't have, suffer from PTSD. Those are all things that people come back with. I mean, it seems like more often than not, but I was, mm -hmm. I was, uh, grateful enough to and blessed enough not to suffer from any of those things um so i when i came back i was generally good to go you know i had some alcohol issues when it, like right when i came back and i was a freshman in college which is like a recipe for disaster both of those things together but at each year through from freshman sophomore junior senior year of college i drank less and less and it increased my fitness more and more and also just my pursuit of being a, a fitness professional not just not just some guy that works out a lot. Um, and this is pre Instagram days, mostly for the most part, mm -hmm. I graduated in 2013. So most of it's like, you know, it's genuine pursuits, not, not doing it for the gram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Absolutely. but uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how the, the path started there towards fitness and, yeah. you know, I can continue and carry on the story, but that's, that's where it started. Yeah, no, that's a great introduction to your journey on how you got into fitness. Um, Bianca, do you have any questions from that phase of his journey? Um, or we'll I'll head on to the next, the next section. Uh, well, there is something that kind of, it, it, what I'm feeling into is that these times of transition, 
you know we're scared of mediocrity so then we get those like those pointers of like oh this is my thing right now and get to like focus all our attention and our energy in this and it feels really purposeful would you would you say that most of the fear comes up in those in-between periods where you're like at home like what the fuck am I doing right now like where is my direction taking me is that a time where you You know into that I would say the I would say the opposite. Really? I would say I would say for me the fear always sets in when I've been doing the same thing for too long. Okay. So it's the tran- it's the transition periods I guess that I almost live for. I live from those. Amazing. And it's not like it's not like I seek them out because I'm not at the same time I'm not somebody who jumps from from thing to thing like the the thing of the moment like what's the next cool thing trendy thing like that's not me either. So I'm loyal to a fault when it comes to certain things, but I also like, I'm going to realize at some point when it's something's not serving me, when I'm not being fulfilled, um, I'm not going to just jump ship because like, I'm not happy for five minutes. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's also important too, that you have to show that you're committed to to certain things. Like I wasn't going to, I, I wasn't as committed when in my younger years for certain things throughout high school and school, like definitely do not apply what I'm talking about right now in my recent past to school earlier on because I was like what like over here over there like I couldn't focus on on anything for very long there was just a lot Mm -hmm. of distractions and and, you know that's like how we all evolve with our maturity too so I changed a lot between when I was in my later teen years to mid-20s and I and it was not just because I was in Iraq like that's just I was just in a physical place okay there's responsibility you're, you're considering things differently than if you were just like walking down the street in the U S uh, it's, there's different considerations. So yes, you have to grow up because of those reasons, but I wouldn't say that was like the, like the overarching reason why I've changed necessarily. But as far as to come back to what you were saying, um, yeah, if I get stuck in something for too long and it, and when you just have to realize it's, is this, is this serving me? Um, am I serving others too? Like, is this helping others? Like I, I love training people. I'm, I think I'm always going to train people, even if it doesn't like truly serve me anymore. Like I'm whether it's money or whether it's um, I'm learning new things or like every day, um, because it's I like I like working with people. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. a I'm, I'm not a super extrovert. I'm only extroverted when it comes to fitness and like what I do specifically. And this and uh, you know somebody who feels the same way is John John Wolf. Yeah, I remember him. I specifically remember him saying that at one of the certs maybe in 2018 at, in Austin uh, at mm-hmm. on it where he was like talking about his own personality and how he's like, this is not me all the time. Like normally I'm like my little, he's like, I'm in my little space and I'm like, he's more of an introverted person naturally, but the way that he expresses himself through fitness is very extroverted. And mm-hmm. I, and to the, to an extent, I'm much the same. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to examine um, your mindset in these times of transitions. How do you have faith in these times of transitions, whether that be um, leaving anatomy or the transitions of um, being in school, kind of bouncing around and you're, and you're mm-hmm. joining the military? Um, how do you have faith in these times of transitions? I think that comes from certain level of all in a hundred percent commitment, which I always preached to or looked for when I was hiring new trainers at anatomy. 
is somebody that like they weren't just dipping their toe in the water they knew they wanted to be at anatomy for x for any reason but it, it had to do with i already made the decision to do the next thing and i was already like doing it before i even started doing it like the military for example like in eighth grade i was like i'm gonna be in the, like i wanted to be an army ranger i didn't end up being an army ranger but like i had mentally committed to it before i really knew that i was actually like confirmed to do it mm-hmm. so and the same thing with school again so yeah i got rejected from the first school and i had this like period where i'm like nah, fuck school it sucks i go they don't i don't learn anything anyway and then i was like no eventually like over the next four years or three years i guess it was um that i needed it and i wanted to do it but the, my headspace when i was 18 and getting rejected from from northern illinois for a for a major that I wasn't even sure of was way different from 21 year old Grant when I was just coming back from a deployment and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Those three years, it's like a lifetime of difference. Like the mindset Mm -hmm. totally, totally changed. And part of it, yeah, 18 year old versus a 21 year old, you're just going to do a lot of maturing anyways because of the, just the time of your life. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, I would say that, um, I forgot exactly where we were in the No, the that's question, great. But, uh, yeah. No, that's great. And that leads me to this next question. So what yeah. advice would you give someone on the path? And they're at that crossroads. They're at that crossroads of should, the shoulds of society, school, parents, culture, religion, whatever, versus the must, that calling that they have in their heart, that calling, whether that to be to go to school or to go travel or to join the military or to quit their job and pursue um, a life of less confinement, um, mm-hmm. but they're stuck and they're, they're stuck because of those shoulds, the things they've been told their whole lives and even before they're born, that it's instilled in their parents and the parents before them through religion, through culture, through the media. What advice would you have to that hero on stepping into the unknown? I would say when you, when you are stepping into the unknown, you don't have a lot of answers and you have more questions than answers that if you find a person or people that you want to pattern yourself off of, be like following the footsteps of, if you can do that and you find that, like, I like that the way this person carries themselves. I like the way this person has gotten to the place that they've gotten to surround yourself with that person or people. And generally things will fall into place. Mm-hmm. So we all have like role. There's people ask me like, who's, who's your role model? A lot of times in, in those meetings I spoke about with anatomy, those team meetings we had every week, every week on Thursdays um, for one hour, we talk, have team meetings, various questions, various topics, like the question that would come up would be something about a role model. And I never really like, I didn't have like in specific role models in my head, but I knew who I liked, not just personally, but like the way that the way that their values led them into whatever they were doing, their career, their pursuits. Like I would just spend time around that person. And it's not always like that easy. You can't just be like, Hey, Hey, you, I I like you. I want to go hang out with you. Can I hang out with you? Like, it's just like, it's kind of weird. So you got to do it in a way that like, for me, it was, it was when I was overseas, I remember seeing, and I I brought this up multiple times to Mark, my my ex-boss, um, still friends today. Uh, he he was on the cover of Men's Fit Muscle and Fitness magazine, 
I remember reading an article with him. He wrote the article and he was like the, the model that was like in it and pictured and everything. And he was like, you know, muscle and fitness, like the, you know, shredded everything. He's still shredded, but like, this is 2009 Mark Magna or 2010, whatever it was. He, uh, so I remember seeing that when I was in Iraq and I didn't even, I wasn't even going to school yet, but fast forward four years later, five years later, I was working for him and I didn't like intend on doing it, but it just kind of, I gravitated towards somebody that I wanted to model myself after. He was a pro athlete in the NFL, didn't like win Super Bowls and play for 15 years, but he, he did the hard thing to make it to the pinnacle of his profession. Then he made a switch himself, a transition into fitness into for first it was like fitness modeling, but then it became fitness training and personal training. And he was a manager at, at Equinox. And then he opened up his own thing at anatomy in Miami beach. Um, and that I respected. And like, it, I, I only hooked up with him and like really got connected with him personally on a personal level when he just opened anatomy in 2014. So in between when I saw him on a cover in a magazine and five years prior in 2009 or 10, and then 2014, when I took the interview with him, um, a lot happened there, but, uh, but I, that this drew me into the path that has, has made, has put me where I am today. And I feel like I'm a successful private trainer with a great clientele and in, in a happy place in life. Um, it was just by surrounding myself or putting myself in the position to learn from and be around somebody that I want to pattern my life off of in various ways. I, no, that, I, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this is a good time to transition into a conversation about the various and mentors and helpers that have helped you on your journey that have helped you on the path. And let's start with Mark. Um, you can give us a bit of a background of Mark. But what, mm -hmm. what, what was one of like the um, greatest lessons that you've learned from Mark or just something that you admire about him that you've incorporated into your being? So let's start there. And then let's just talk about a few other notable mentors who they are and what are the lessons that you learned from them that you've incorporated into your being? Now, if you go to his podcast, I'm not advertising his podcast, this is your, this is about your podcast right now. But <laughs> this, his, if you go to his podcast, the Magna Method podcast on Apple or whatever, yeah. the beginning and the intro, it says, if you want to be extraordinary, you got to do something extra. And it's like, yeah, and they play it every time the, the podcast plays. So it's like, okay, yeah, I got it, Mark. I got it. But yeah. there's something, there's something you got, you got to, you can't just do the same. Like, again, going back to the mediocre, mediocrity thing, you have to separate yourself. So for me, I'm not like uber talented in any specific way that I'm like aware of that I feel like see myself, but, uh, but I can commit myself to something when I really want to do it and I, I will go all in. So for me to stay at anatomy 12 hours a day, for the most part, for the first few years, two to three years, I was like grinding and being physically present. That's, I mean, I didn't even have to do a lot besides that. I was a nice person. I was welcoming to people that I met random or, or, you know, a client either way. And, um, and I'd help the other trainers and I was, was, um, more of a, a, a teammate. I was a teammate with others versus a, an adversary, which in a lot of training environments, unfortunately it can, it can become adversarial if the, if the right, uh, culture isn't, isn't there. So, uh, those things came together and I just feel like that was, that was such an integral part of, 
of, of how Mark shaped my, the rest of my career since I met him back in 2014. Like he's, you know, like if you want to be extraordinary, you got to do extra. And it's, I know that. That, that, so for me, that, that one stuck. Like everyone's got their little cliche thing. That's like that. When you asked me that, like, I wasn't thinking of that before. Like that's the, that's what came to my head um, first because you know, it's memorable and it's very valid and, and, and applicable to all of us in every pursuit we have. Absolutely. So who are some other mentors that have left a notable impact on your journey? Of course, you've had many, many. So there's just, uh, just a few that pop to mind. Um, and then what were their big takeaways that you learned from them? You know, um, I, I, I really don't, I don't have a ton. I, I was early in my early years, like as a kid, younger kid, played sports. So like the role models were and mentors were not mentors. Okay. I guess it was role models where you'd look up the sports figures, sports athletes, like the, I was from Chicago. So I got Michael Jordan, Walter Payton was a little before my time, but um, you know, Sammy Sosa, uh, baseball, with Chicago Cubs. Um, but the, like these, these sports athletes, like those are the guys that I would like associate with, with it as being a role model. Um, yeah. My dad worked up, my dad worked a lot. My dad was not present when I was later in my later, like adolescent years. Mm -hmm. um, he was very present when I was younger, I remember, but uh, just, Later on, his, his work, his work schedule, he was, a, he worked from uh, 2 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. or 12 midnight. And so that's like, for a kid that's going to school, it's like, I would never see him. Like I go to sleep and he's just getting home and I leave for school and he's there, you know, and then when I get home from school, he's not there. So that was, I didn't, my, my dad was great. He, he since passed, he's, he passed in 2019, which led to some other pursuits and other things, a lot of things that went on with that but um that was uh you know that was a, it's a tough one when I look back and thinking about my dad because is uh, there's a polarity between the good and the and the not so good there's definitely not good parts you know alcoholism there's some other things when I was younger with him but um I I learned a lot I learned a lot of what I liked and what I definitely won't be doing with my future kids you know mm -hmm. so um so that's that and then as far as role models i i first thought of or a mentor i first thought i had a professor in college that was the first professor that i just got to spend a good amount of time around not just like having one class with he was the department head of exercise science at illinois state and he was a mm -hmm. very kind person very like i connect with like joker jokesters because I'm somewhat of that too. Like, so it's super serious people. Like I, I have clients that are super serious people, but it's just like, uh, I don't have the same, you know, there's the connection. So I, like I connect well with, with jokesters yeah. and he was a jokester, but he was smart as fuck. Like he, and he knew his stuff, but he, and he would deliver it with like the, that, you know, that, that like extra, <laughs> I was just talking about, like he, it was like, it made you want to go to class. Like I was really looking for, I would really look forward to classes with him. And, um, so Dr. Dale Brown at Illinois State University and I'll keep in touch with him, but like I, he's very memorable from that period of time learning um, like the ins and outs of, of uh, anatomy and physiology and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had a client when I was at Gold's Gym in, in, in that same college town, I was working at a Gold's Gym, I had a client named David LeDuc, still calls me to this day, uh, lives in Vegas now, and he's just a regular old dude, overweight pot belly that I helped 
I gave, I, I, it was my very early years of programming. This is 2011. So I'm literally on uh, Microsoft, what was this, what was this spreadsheet? Like Google Sheets or one of those spreadsheet uh, things. I wrote up like a workout template, like completely like, I, I use no references, no like uh, expert uh, template off of like bodybuilding.com. I just like took it and just started putting exercises. I was using like color shading, like the red, the red parts are Monday, the green parts are Tuesday. And like, I don't, I don't even know what I was doing, but I gave okay. him a card of it printed out, like all the exercises and reps and sets and stuff. And he kept the card for like 10 years. And I don't know, I don't know if he still has it today. I doubt he still does because he had some health issues. He's fine, but just not working out regularly. But for about eight to 10 years after I trained him, I think it was maybe three times a week client for a year, let's say. And, and then I left uh, Miami, or I'm sorry, I left Illinois for Miami. And I never saw him. I saw him. He actually came down to visit a couple of times and I did get to see him in person. But uh, he, he took that card and he would send like, he would send me a picture of him like on the treadmill with a card sitting there. Like this is like five years later. And it's just like, it was, you know, when you're young, you don't really get to be influential in other people's lives. It's usually the older person that's influential on you. So yeah. when I'm a young person and I'm being influential on a 50 year old guy and like that doesn't happen. Like you don't, it's a weird, it's a weird feeling to wrap your head around when you're, when you're younger, it's like, wait, I, I helped somebody out and I was just like doing my job and I kept, mm -hmm. I, I kept helping him over the course of, of, you know, his time, even after I wasn't with him anymore physically. So, mm -hmm. so David LaDuke and he sends me emails. He sends like, he's kind of sends like a, like a, like a mass email out to like a, probably 20 people, 20 of his closest friends, maybe more, but, um, some, there's some, there's some like scripture stuff in there. There's some, um, but it, it, he's just a very thoughtful person that was always so kind and tried to help out everybody. He, he helped kids off the streets that were, you know, they're growing up in the hood and they just had no direction and he would help steer them onto the right path. A lot of football players that were in that, in that town. Um, so I really respected David LeDuc for that. And he's somebody that like continually reached out to me when I had really nothing to offer him anymore. We weren't in the same town. I was just like catching up saying, Hey, and he would just, he would call me probably once every six months or a year, actually talked to him maybe like last month. Um, and so it doesn't seem that significant. The guy's not like changing the world. And he is, I think he's changing the world in his own way, but he's not like a, you know, a big figure of doing, doing huge things going on and, and like making lots of money or making big moves. But what, when you're, you're making impacts on people's lives in the way that he does, even little, little here, little there, and just little things that you messages you send people so powerful. So mm -hmm. powerful. And that, and that helped me be a better trainer too, because I understood that connection that, that, that gave me with him. So I made sure to pass that on to the future clients that I was to take on over the course of the time uh, I was developing as a trainer because training is just relationships. I don't know. I don't know you guys' day to day. Sorry. I don't have the, what, what, what is your, were you either of you trainers? Yeah, I'm a, Bianca is a former teacher, uh, yeah, elementary okay. school teacher, and I'm currently coaching MMA uh, mm -hmm. for children yeah. and youth here um, as a jujitsu black belt. So um, no, it's, it's really impactful, everything that you've been saying. And it's, it's amazing how our small contacts, our, our relations create ripples, ripples that we don't even know how far they expand. Um, that so, the ripples you created with 
um, Dave and all the all the youth he helped and how he showed them kindness and they paid that forth. I'm sure. And exactly, it's yeah. endless. It's endless rippling. Um, let's use this to transition to another topic, and it's the importance of a mission. I know you know the importance of a mission from your time in the military, but also as a trainer. And as you've shown in your story, life has its ups and downs. It goes from here to here to here, all over the place, kind of like a, that pinwheel or that yarn you were talking yep. to me before this, this recording. Um, but having a mission can help, can help serve as a North Star when we face terms of adversary or we get lost. Um, so what would you say in this moment right here now is your overarching mission that serves you all in all that you do, whether that be as a coach, as a citizen of the world, and, uh, as a son, as a friend, what is your overarching mission that guides you in all that you do? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I would say this is a very timely thing with, um, the state of the world. Um, and this is what I've, the, the principles and values that I've, that have become increasingly important to me over the last two years, especially is the principle of self-sovereignty. Now being, being a master of your domain, not relying on, not so much having to rely on others for the things that you need. Um, so that you, and you can take that any which way we want. We can talk technology, we can talk um, we can talk fitness, we can talk uh, relationships and family. I think it's important to stay connected to people. So it's not to say that you, you're an army of one, which used to be the army motto when I joined, it was army of one, which, which they always would twist in basic training. Like when you do something wrong and you do something that's different from the team, and they would say, oh, you an army of one, huh? Drill sergeant would come up to you. And, uh, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying not, not, needing to rely being required to rely on others for all the things that you need in your life so um you know, where i go with that next would be well one physically it's where we yeah. are right now fit with fitness with fitness you're not reliant on anybody else you can handle yourself um let's just say like in a good example just easy example like just being able to lift your carry-on bag up and put it on the overhead compartment Okay, that's just a simple thing that uh, somebody, male, female, older, younger, you need to be able to do to be able to handle yourself is like, a, I mean, you don't need to be able to do it, but not everybody flies, but you know what I'm saying? This is, this is something you want to have to be able to handle on your own and not have to rely on anybody else. If, just in case there's not somebody there to be there for you. Um, mm -hmm. And, and then, so, okay, that's the, the fitness side of things. Physical, and then yeah. on, yeah, physical. And then on, on more of the, I would say, I'm, I'm trying to categorize this one. And this will lead, in, lead into the, the next area. Um, let's say fiscal, financial, monetary in that area where you're yeah. reliant in this, like with my most recent thing with leaving anatomy is like, I'm at the whims of, a, of an employer. Now, luckily they were great to us while like the shutdown happened. I still train clients, I actually train clients inside anatomy, like in the middle of COVID. So like, you're not supposed to like do that or that was kind of on the DL type thing. But I think a lot of facilities did that. It wasn't like we were unique, but um, 
but they looked out for us. But that, that, that could have easily not been the case. If I had worked for Equinox or another, just say another XYZ corporate gym, they would have been shut out, right? Like most yeah. trainers would have, you lock, sorry, the door's locked. You, you're not getting, in, not getting in. Now, could that yeah. trainer still have trained on the outside on their own? Yes. And that's what we did as well. Um, I trained people in my backyard here, uh, in their backyards, in their homes, wherever. But, um, but I'm like, well, why can't I just do that all the time? <laughs> and I, and, I, and I, at first was like, I don't want to be driving all over Miami and just constantly in traffic and this and that. Um, but now I actually enjoy that. And if you, if I was strategically setting it up to where I could move from place to place in a, in a, in a way that makes sense and I'm not crossing my own path back and forth multiple times, it makes sense for me. So anyway, so bringing it back, self-sovereignty, um, being able to control my own destiny with my paycheck, how much I charge, how much I work. And I could do that anyways, like, right. You don't have to be, you're not beholden to, to training 12 hours a day at a gym, right? Like when you started as a new trainer, you're sort of expected to like work floor hours and stuff in the very beginning to, to be present. So I did that stuff. Like I did that. That was the extra that I was doing to, to really push myself. But like, you know, in the end, I didn't really have a, I didn't feel pressure to do that and to be there all day. But at the same time, like I, I, I didn't feel like I could just come and go, even if I, I didn't really want to, like it's the gym was far away from where I lived, but say I could, I didn't, I don't like the feeling of like popping in, popping out. And, and like having people look at me like, where are you going? It's 9am. Like what, what or, or it's 9am. Why, why are you just walking in? Like yeah. no one ever told me, no one ever told me that, but I always felt I would feel that. I would feel that yeah. there. I just never put myself in the position to feel that. So now I can, like, I can have a session 7am, 8.30, 10, be done at 11, do whatever I want around that, come home, play with the dog, talk to my wife, go do a virtual session here and there from the dinner table or from here and like that's my day mm -hmm. and i'm not trying to just work as little as possible that's not what i'm saying but just having to, the freedom to do that was very that was very powerful for me as i was like leaving that uh, um leaving the, the the place of being an employee so I, yeah. do i ever see myself going back to being an employee I and mean, it's kind of hard yeah. like I, like i've been i've done interviews for other places and other role, different roles, not as a trainer necessarily, but uh, like, it's, it's hard to wrap my head around that. Like how, like, how do I take, is that a step back? Mm. I don't know. I guess it depends mm. on what's important to you. So for me, what's important to me with being my own in charge of myself and, and sovereign and, and free in the way that I'm func like operating my life, I don't like, I don't answer to anybody. So yeah. is that the, it's the entrepreneurial spirit. I wouldn't call myself super entrepreneurial, but I, re, I really value freedom for me and, and freedom in that way. And I say, I say sovereign sovereignty, which is like a sovereign nation, right? A nation that's able to, to be autonomous within itself and not be beholden to another. Mm -hmm. So we've examined self-sovereignty in terms of fitness, physicality, um, in terms of work, um, you also mentioned uh, in terms of relationships and family. So how, what are the foundations to establishing sovereignty in your relationships and your family life? Um, family, I, really, I don't think I've really thought of it that way with relationships specifically. I mean, cause I, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I met my wife in college. We pretty much left the Illinois area where all of our family was right off the bat. So we weren't really, we were very 
sovereign to ourselves in yeah. Florida. We had nothing down here that I didn't know anybody at all. She definitely didn't know anybody. So it took us a while. You know, we built our, our relationships here over the course of the last say, 20, 12, yeah, 10 years almost that we've mm -hmm. been here. Um, but, and I'm only child. She has one, my wife has one brother. Um, none of us were really tied down to that when we were feeling like um, we needed to break free from anything. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, like uh, we, we were naturally free in that, in that sense. In that area, in that specific area, I feel pretty free to, to, to do, I didn't like, oh, I got to stay in Illinois because my family's there. Like that's what a lot of people say. And that's why people don't get out of their situation a lot of times. Well, oh, yeah. well, I understand you have, if you have kids, especially you have kids in one place and for whatever reason, you can't like just pull them out of that situation. Okay. I get that, but um, that didn't apply to us. So when, when you have the ability to, have you guys ever like pulled up and left one place and gone in somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So there's we, that's that, there. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we, we both have. Um, I'm curious to hear about um, the keys to your relationship with your wife. It's been 10 years now. So what have what have been the keys to that relationship um, and the evolution? I, mean, I think that the, the word that everyone will point to is communication. <laughs> that's that's everything, you know. We we uh, we there was a period of time when I was working at anatomy in the beginning, when I would be at work from uh, my first session was five, 5 a.m. start four times a week, like a Monday, Wednesday, or Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, and I wouldn't get done at that facility until I would have a six o'clock session. So I'd be done at 7 p.m. And I wouldn't leave because it was, like I said, far away from where I was living. It didn't make sense to go back and forth. Um, so I wouldn't see my wife like most days and I'd go in on Saturdays, like half a day going on Sunday, maybe for a couple hours. So we did, there was a period of time when I was first starting at anatomy where it was like, okay, we, I got to grind. I got to go. But also like we started to like, like drift a little bit and it was like, we see each other at night, but then I'm on my phone doing the, doing the gram stuff, editing a video or, you know, and she's exhausted from her commute. She was driving 50 minutes an hour to, Fort Lauderdale for work in person, you know, doing like back when people used to commute. Um, so it was just, it was tough in the beginning, uh, in the beginning when we were living here and uh, we were long distance backtracking a little more in Illinois. She, I was at school. She was already finished with school. So there was more distance. There was distance there in a different way. Um, but I would say what's kept us together is our, like both, we really want a family. We don't, we don't have any kids yet, but we're, in pursuit of that and we've been through some trials with that um but we're just both committed and we love each other and we're, we're looking forward to building building a future together continuing to build a future together we've got a great dog now now it's gonna add some humans <laughs> amazing the last area of self-sovereignty that i'd like to examine is in terms of technology and currency um and i'm alluding to your passion for crypto talk to us about that Yes. Okay. So this, this will start from the passing of my father in 2019. So he, he was a very sovereign individual. He left when my parents divorced in 2001, he left from Chicago shortly after maybe 2003, moved to Idaho by himself, um, lived there for a few months or, year, or a couple of years actually. And then he moved to Ogden, Utah. So just like down the road, you could say. 
And so he's, he's way out there and I'm still in Illinois at this point and he's living his life. He's guys, he worked on a bridge, made the bridges go like this and came down like this for 25 years in Illinois in Chicago area. And uh, so when you're doing that, that's, if you've ever seen any of those jobs, it's your one person. There's no like team there. It's just, you're by yourself. And that was his job for two and a half decades. And so he was cool being independent by himself. So he was good out there. So he, he was living out there for a while. Um, this is so on my time in anatomy, I'm living in Miami. He's in Utah and I get a call and he's uh, it's from hospital. And they're like, Oh, your, your dad's in this, this unit and this, this facility. And I was like, what facility is that? And it's like, it's like the, like a hospice. So like, I don't even know he's sick. Um, and I, and I talked to the, I talked to the nurse actually uh, a little bit longer. And she's like, Oh yeah, we think he's got like a week left week, week to live. I'm like, okay. Hang up the phone. It's 10 PM on a Saturday, fly out to the Utah and got the next day, Sunday, um, see him. He's, there's nothing left. He's like, you could barely, you could barely even blink his eyes. There's no communication, pretty much in a vegetative state. He's jaundice, yellow, just is not good. Very hard to, very hard to be around. That was, that was tough. Passed away the next morning on Monday. And so that, and, and I know he had cancer in like maybe five years, six years before that, got through it. I've seen him a bunch of times. He was at our wedding in 2017 in Miami. So it was a, he's a moving around, he's moving, he's a functional guy. He'd go to the gym six days a week, grind it out. And um, that was his life. Gym, home, gym, home. That was it. No, no dude's retired. Um, so, okay, wrapping things up, like long story short, my dad was always a guy who valued guns and gold. And this is well before any of the turmoil of the last few years. This, he always like that. And he'd buy me, I would get these booklets of coins and this is grade school, like early 90s of these quarters, these quarter series that the U.S. Mint would release and these booklets. And like, this is cool. And I loved it at the time. But I'm like, looking back, I'm like, Dad, what are you buying all these quarters for? You're spending like hundreds of dollars on these, these proof minted, uncirculated, perfect condition quarters. Um, so, and they graduated to like silver dollars and like these other coins. And anyway, so that, and then, and he started buying some gold and some platinum and these different precious metals uh, later, later, closer to, you know, the last 10, 15 years, maybe. Uh, and then acquiring guns too. Once he got out to Utah, he always wanted to like have an arsenal. Didn't shoot anything. Just in a big safe, like five feet tall by three feet by three. Big safe full of guns. And he acquired them over a period of time. I think he shot maybe a few times on his own. But uh, generally just acquiring, we'll say. And, uh, and so we had that. So we stumbled upon that after, so subsequent, subsequent to his passing. Um, I knew he had it. I knew it was there. But now it's like, it's mine now. Like, what do I do with this? Like, it's in the, this is 800-pound safe that's in Utah that's full of all this stuff. And uh, so this is getting my mind, like, going, like, okay. Like, he was, was he preparing for something? Was he, no, he's just, he's passionate about the things that hold value because one, one's a protector and one's a storage of value. And they're both really storages of value being gold. Just say, let's call it guns and gold. Um, they both store value in different ways. But um, one thing is, is protects your, your personal sovereignty between individuals 
and the other thing has a, a storage of value over the last 5,000 years that has only gone up and it's, and it's generally looked at as a, a safe haven from financial disarray and those sorts of things. So I was like, okay, we sold this house, get some, the net proceeds from the house and some from other, other things. It's like, okay, now what am I going to do with this? Um, okay. What would my dad do? Not now. He would just buy more guns and gold, but what would he have done? Like when, like when he was in his thirties or something like my age. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at like, what's okay. What's the, what do I see is going to have value going forward. I don't want to just put money in a 401k IRA, like, you know, the, the growth stock mutual funds that put everybody to sleep when they listen to like investment, personal investment podcasts. So I, which I actually listened to and it was like considering, but it's like, that's not me. That's not, that's not me. I like, I'm a little less risk averse. I can, I can like put myself out there a little bit, put some on, something on the line. So like this crypto stuff, Bitcoin, Coinbase, like and familiarizing myself with all these, these new terms that I had, I had heard before, but I wasn't really familiar with. So did some self-education. This is mid 2019. You could look up the charts yourself and see where the prices were, but um, did some buying and selling and thought I was like, you know, I thought I was like some kind of mover and shaker making trades. <laughs> But uh, definitely lost a lot of money that way. I lost, lost money that way. I wouldn't say a lot, but enough to like learn from. And then, so over the next, so then COVID's come shortly after this is 2019 into 2020, COVID crash, everything goes down. You know, market goes down 50%. That means crypto goes down 80%. Um, because it's super volatile. So we, I mean, if you're familiar with the space at all, you know that volatility is the name of the game and you have to be okay with it. So I didn't know, I didn't know how this worked. I didn't know like anything of the history. And so I started looking into more than just the price fluctuations and like the ups and the downs, like, okay, why are people so interested in this thing? Like what it's a Bitcoin, like, why is it important? And that brought me back to self-sovereignty is because this is a decentralized form of currency. Um, It's really just a bunch of code. It's a software. It's really software running on a network, uh, a worldwide network of, nodes and miners and not to get too in depth of like the, the weeds of what bitcoin is but it's an it's a computer network that's secured by computer power hashing power they call it and it's immutable it can't be it can't be confiscated it can't be you know you can lose it so it can guess you can be destroyed in a certain way if you lose it but you can't like physically take it from somebody unless you you know you have the the seed phrases which is like something like uh, known as a, like a password they call it seed phrase 12 or 24 words um, could be stored in any which way um, that you can, you would know, have to take that from somebody in order to confiscate it. Whereas you got cash, you got gold, you got bank accounts, those things can be seized. Those things, things can be, they can be restricted in certain ways to where if somebody that doesn't want you to do something, they want to shut down your life or ruin your life, they can do that. Well, Bitcoin was first started out as you know, the, the drug dealer money and the terrorist money. And as it's still looked upon by some as that, but, but I'm looking at it as this is, this is a savings technology. There's an, there's a finite number and it's, I can acquire it this way. So I started acquiring and, you know, learn, you learn what, what is a, a, a real coin, a digital asset to that's worth holding. And you learn what's a shit coin because there's lots of shit coins out there. There's always, always the latest shit coin on the news that's like crashing or, 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 or popping, you know, going to the moon. 
that somebody's talking about a Shiba or a Doge or whatever else, and and just separating the real from the 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 phony and the like those those like the fraud the fraud the things that are more wrought with fraud um, and being able to tell the difference and yeah so I I would, I would say my dad brought me down that path he helped me even after he passed he helped me know what's important and and like just the theme of the things i've been saying self-sovereignty that fell into that category for me and that's so uh, and that's kind of where i am today and i like i mentioned or you mentioned before we started uh divi wallet uh the divi project is is a uh, cryptocurrency and it's a it's a uh divi labs is the company behind it but it's a, a blockchain based uh digital wallet so it's mobile uh, based on, on on the mobile on Apple or, or iPhone or Android, and it's uh, fully secured through its network. And I've been involved with those guys just on a not not an official capacity, but been heavy into the community since 2019, and um, just been following their progress and, and the tech along the way and, and the ups and the downs. There's been plenty of them, and here we are in 2022. It's you know I don't talk too much more about like crypto <laughs> market conditions, but if anybody's aware of what's going on right now, it's just kind of a kind of a downtime for whether it's a stock or uh, you know interest rates going up, equities going down, crypto follows suit. So it's mm-hmm. an interesting world out there right now. So in your three years since you dove into cryptocurrency, 2019, um, or maybe that's four years, um, what have been some key lessons that you've learned that you'd like to share with the listeners? Maybe some that are new into the world, maybe some experience. Mm-hmm. But what, what are some key takeaways that you learned in those four years yeah. that you'd like to, to share? For sure. Uh, the, I would say number one would be to understand and believe in, in anything that you're looking into fully like d-y-o-r is the the acronym you do your own research and anything that you hear about like the biggest mistake you can make is hearing your friends talk about something and then just blindly buying into it because they said so okay it's one thing if you put like like 20 bucks or 100 bucks maybe into something just to like test the waters and just get into it but it's another thing to really commit real funds to it and then and then follow that over the course of months and years because you're gonna you're gonna lose half your money at some point. It just happens. Like there's unless you time the bottom perfectly, um, and you're a technical trader and you're like you're knowing all the the charts and these uh, uh the, the way that it ebbs and flows throughout uh, market cycles. Like you're gonna be down fifty percent or probably closer to eighty percent at some point. So you have to understand the underlying value. Is there underlying value one, or is it just this like coin that's being Printed out of thin air. Um, that's you know, I'm not I'm not speaking of Bitcoin, but some another one of these alt altcoins that's being printed out of thin air, and and there's this hype surrounding it. And there's no actual, uh, I would say, like substance to it. There's no utility, what they as they call it, utility. Like it doesn't do anything. So I would say like more than half the market falls into that category. So it's really more so uh, it's a it's a pursuit of the education. I listen to so many podcasts not related to fit. I, I only re- listen to non-fitness related podcasts at this point because it is such an interesting, like the body is great. The body is very interesting. I've learned so much and there's more to learn, but I don't listen to fitness podcasts anymore because it's generally saying the same thing over and over again. 
I'm I've been so into uh, Peter McCormick's What Bitcoin Did, Pomp, the Pomp pod, podcast of the top two in the space right now. Um, I have no affiliation with either of them, but uh, I met Peter at the Bitcoin conference here in Miami uh, over the summer, but or in the spring. But uh, like, there's there's just so much, and it and it explores the world. It's not just like about finance. It's not about just making number go up. So it's like kind of thing like NGU number go up technology. Like it, yeah, it kind of does that over time, but it's about the the principles behind why someone initially early on, especially would hold Bitcoin is because there's no bank that's going to try to seize that from you because they can't no country that's going to ban it from you because they really can't. It's a, it's an, a network that's outside of the tr traditional financial rails that the world functions on with the SWIFT system and banking um, and central banking that, that we all hear about on uh, CNBC. Um, so it, once you discover that, that wait, like no one can, no one can mess with this. No one, you can't really do if you, if you're doing it right, your money on Coinbase is not doing it right. Okay, you can get it that way. You can get get the initial dip the toe in the water that way. But the, to store it properly on a on a proper wallet, whether it's Divi wallet or whether it's there's a, a, a dozen or a hundred other wallets out there, um, to store it properly, it, it, no one can touch you. Like they, you, a country can't ban it. China, China has banned Bitcoin at least twelve times in the last ten years. And they keep banning it and unbanning it because honestly, my, my conspiratorial side of me is saying that they ban it because the price drops by a little bit and then the price goes up and then they unban it. And then it's, and it's this, this like market manipulation. So, and that's not just not unique to me. That's, there's many people that feel that way, but mm -hmm. um, China's, China, China's a very powerful country and they've, they've banned mining. They banned it specifically. That's the most recent one in 2020, 2020 they banned mining. Bitcoin mining. So all the miners that were, were shored up in Shanghai and Beijing, they go to El Salvador, they go to uh, Iceland or a lot of nor Northern countries or a lot in Canada too, because um, the temperatures are favorable because it does create lots of heat and those sorts of things. Um, so it's easier to keep the miners cool. Tangents, sorry, tangents all over the place. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, so coming back, yeah, you can't, you can't touch it. You can't touch it. So I don't want to dig mm -hmm. too much more deeply into that unless you want to ask follow-up questions. So I'm more, yeah. I, I'm more than happy to like explore more than I love talking about it. It's, it's yeah, no, so interesting Bianca, to me. Bianca is big into crypto herself. So I'd love to hear some of her questions that have arisen from that conversation about Bitcoin. Well, I've been learning about it as well. Um, I think that this kind of aligns with what I've been learning. Um, mm -hmm there's definitely the big thing about volatility and learning how to invest um, in projects that do have utility. I think those right. are the main keys. And for people who are actually curious, I guess, to just figure out the entry point to know like when, when to invest and where, but I, I don't have specific questions because I don't know okay. about it um, personally. You want me to, can I say one thing like, what, about yeah. what you just said? Of course. You said, you said that you said the term, you said when to time the market. And I will say more important than timing the market, yeah, ING, is, is, is time in the market. That's yeah. the, like, the, and I mean, speaking about Bitcoin, this is like any investment really, but specifically because of the volatility, 
it's so it's so important just to have time in the market because now that you're and I'm sure if you're involved you felt you felt what it's like to go through these swings of like the ups and the downs and I look forward to the times almost look forward more so when the price goes down exactly. than when the price goes up because I guess I don't want to buy when it's popping off and my you know exactly. the Uber drivers talking about some coin like that's that's usually the tops yeah, that's that's what the the exuberance and the emotions come out and all these people come out of the woodwork that have no idea what anything is about but they're just they've been convinced by friends and by people that they come across that something's a good investment which is almost always a top signal and i'm uh, sorry to keep going I'm like <laughs> trying to sound like i'm like some kind of technical analyst that i'm not i'm not like a crypto analyst at all but just these last three years have been so educational for yeah. me and just like the human psychology too just how the mind works like being yeah. emotion based in your fitness in your finance in your politics never serves never ever ever serves it always hurts eventually at some point so so mm -hmm. having some sort of system i'm no trader so i don't have like a trading system but but when the price goes down like it's my opportunity okay pick up a few thousand bucks in bitcoin thousand bucks in divi because things are going down they're bashing it on cnbc they're talking is it is bitcoin dead for the 20th time like okay guys like uh if you've only been watching the tv for for a few months then you'd think that oh my god i gotta sell all my bitcoin because i might be dead but like that's not reality if you're paying attention just most aren't because they got life to deal with and i guess they just don't have that much to do anymore i'm just paying attention to crypto and you know i, I lift weights every once in a while and swing a mace mm -hmm. Well, and you shared so much wisdom in this conversation. We're so grateful for all that you shared. Um, and this brings us to our final couple of questions that we like to ask every guest. And the first one is through all the highs and lows that is this life experience, what would you say has been the greatest life lesson that you've learned on your path that you feel called to share with us right here and now? I gotta go so deep. Why can't you just ask me like, do I believe in aliens or something? <laughs> my greatest life lesson man oh you know i i would say i would going to point back to one thing i said earlier on um when i was interviewing new or potential new trainers at for anatomy is is commitment commitment over talent every day every time because somebody that can can mentally commit and put all of their being into a pursuit is going to be so much more valuable to an employer and this is me speaking like okay you're i'm talking to people that are trying to to get a job that's one thing okay not everyone's trying to just get a job with an employer doing an interview but in general commitment to something and being able to go 100 percent into it is so necessary to excel at it because you can't go half did like how many people do you know that like sort of dip their toe into something and just continue to go like half-assed into it and became really successful. <laughs> like it just doesn't work that way. So, so uh, maybe it's cliche to say like diving head first in, but there's, there is no other way. You got to do extra if you want to be extraordinary. And thanks Mark mm -hmm. Magnum, for that one. Again, it's just, it's just so necessary. So that, that, that's really it. That's because I, I, I thought that I could do that in, in certain times of my life. I thought that I could go um, because I have, I am blessed with certain genetics that allow me to, to, to do bodybuilding when I did it back when I was in my early mid twenties, it was, it was kind of easier for me to be lean. Like some people really fucking struggled with that. 
Like some people have yeah. to diet for 16 weeks to just get the, the six pack to show a little bit. I, I never had that problem. Like I just didn't. So I also, that led to me, since I didn't commit to it, led to me self-sabotaging over the course of my cutting, like leading yeah. up to my, these shows, I did four bodybuilding shows in 2011 to 12 over the, that time. And I remember this, I, I'll regret it forever. And then people say no regrets, but I do fucking regret this. Like I, I was in my final week before a show, my last one I was ever going to do. I didn't know that, but um, I went to Vegas and I got hammered and I got, I just drank the whole time. I was like eight days out from a bodybuilding show. And it was, a, I was there for a friend's thing and I just didn't commit fully to sticking to what I was supposed to do. And I got second mm -hmm. in the show. So good. I'm, I'm glad I got second because if I got first, then there, were, there wouldn't have been any lesson learned there. But I, I yeah. felt really good. I felt really strong and I felt really in the right place. And then I threw it all away. Um, it's all so learning. I, I, yeah. And I learned, and I learned from it. So there's a positive, but yeah. I regret being, I regret being that like maybe conceited or just like non-committal. I don't, it was just not a, not the, a good decision. So, you know, I wasn't trying to be a pro bodybuilder. I was doing it because it was fun and it was like a new thing and I was learning a lot from it. But yeah, you go and have, you go to the, the you know, the craps table at the Bellagio from 11, 11 p.m. to 8 a.m. and you drink like 15 Baileys and, and, and coffees, like that's not going to be good for your physique. Just no. like, literally, <laughs> that, that, like I, I was, it was obvious too. Like I have pictures, like I literally saw the alcohol between my, my, my midsection like it was it was it was pushing itself out because it was just it was just such a reckless thing to do but mm -hmm. like i said i learned from it and it's it's you know it's a net positive in the end but in, at the time it was a very dumb thing so mm -hmm. i would say com committing to something fully like i just mm -hmm. i went half-assed because i thought i had it and i thought i was like i'm good at this i don't really need help i can i can do it my way and um yeah. and, you know it doesn't work that way <laughs> That's such a great wisdom that you shared. Commitment, commitment, commitment. In the words of fellow Floridian Jorge Masvidal, super necessary. <laughs> nice, nice. I did not know that he had those words, but I do respect that guy. He, he yeah, works he, hard, that's for sure. He's a legend. Um, the next question, in three words, how would you describe the experience you were having in this reality, on this earth? Three yeah. words. words they don't have to go together they can be uh, like free for example it could be freedom it could be passion they just read oh i got you. i i got yeah. you doesn't have to be like a phrase okay no oh man well i mean you think you saw it in my in my instagram bio um i mean free freedom is such it's such a cliche word but it is it is that's i think that's why it's important to repeat it is because you can you can say something so much that it almost loses meaning after a while, like freedom. Oh, we're grateful for our freedom. We support the troops and freedom. This, like, what does it actually mean to you? Like, no one's trying to take your freedom away when you just walk down the street and do something, generally, right? And like, we're in, a, mm -hmm. in these countries that we live in, in the US and Canada, it's like, we don't have to worry about that. But that's not how it naturally is. The natural state of the world is not that. So um, I would say that would be for sure number one for me um mm -hmm. freedom and then and then this one's kind of kind of cliche fitness is strength 
um, because, and then not in the physical way. And so I want, I want to talk about strength as, as more of a, more of strength, more of an endurance, being able to endure through something through having, having the strength to, to push through um, tough moments, because those are what make you, you know, you have, whether it's somebody passing away or whether it's, uh, you know, a, a losing at something or being disappointed in someone relationship issues, like having that strength to push through, this is going to get you on the other side and to, to push you further than you ever could have believed that you could have done before that. So freedom, strength, um, and mobility, another fitness one, but not fitness mobility as in get out there, see, see what else is in the world. I had, I left, I was in the end of my schooling at Illinois state and I knew that I needed to leave Illinois. I had four options for uh, internships. I had local Bloomington normal, which is the tri the twin city area around school. I had Chicago, I had Las Vegas and I had Miami. And I was like, right away, okay, Bloomington normal's out. Okay, Chicago, great, but like, okay, it's not really gonna be that much different. And like, cool to live in the city with all the friends that are, they just left college and now I'm gonna go hang out with them. There's more mediocrity, it's living the same life. So, okay, it's either Vegas or Miami. Miami had the five-star NFL athletes that are training at this cool facility that I wanted to pursue uh, that Mark, this Mark Magna guy used to work at. He's so cool too, I wanna be like Mark. Uh, so, so, you know, I had that pulled me to it. So yeah, I would say more than anything else that, uh, our freedom, our strength, and then mobility, you, you got to be able to move, uh, some, there's certain circumstances in life. That's like I mentioned before that may prevent you from doing exactly what you want to do and where you want to do it, but you commit to it and you make it happen. And it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good year and a good life. Eventually at some point th things get better. Absolutely. Strength, freedom, and mobility. What a life that you live. The final question. We've spent a lot of time examining your past, your story that got you here now today. Mm -hmm. Let's take a look in the future. Let's fast forward ourselves into the long future. And we're going to be alongside an 85-year-old Grant Whedon. Where are you? Who are you? What is the legacy that you've left behind? And well, first of all, my, I, I've had a double hip replacement surgery, so there's no pain, no pain in my hips whatsoever. We, we, we even talk about that, but like my, my hips kill me right now for <laughs> sitting. Um, but so the, the technology in, in this world of uh, what, what year would it be? I don't know, 20, uh, see, 2070 um, is amazing. And I got this amazing hip replacement surgery that makes me feel like I'm 25 years old again. Uh, so I, I don't know. It, so what was the question again? I mean, so my 85-year-old self is going to... Yeah. Who are you? Where are you? And what is the legacy? What is the impact that you've left on this world? Yes. Well, I'm definitely still very active, just like my dad was up until the end. Um, I think that more than anything, and this is somewhat cliche nowadays, even in fitness, is that you just can't stop moving. You can't stop moving ever. Uh, you, you, this life of, you know, living at a desk in a chair and in front of a screen, it's just, it's it's not sustainable. And I think we all know this and maybe the metaverse changes that in five years, who knows, maybe we have the goggles on and we're all like high-fiving each other from across <laughs> the world, like with NFTs and being exchanged and Bitcoin just flying across the sky. Like that could be the world that we live in, but 
Uh, yeah. it, that's really, it's really hard to project out that far, but one, I hope I feel really good physically. And I, I, I'm confident that I will um, from my own pursuits and as well as the help from technology. Uh, two, I hope to have a big family. I'd like to have a lot of kids over the course, you know, whether, you know, maybe we have some of our own, maybe it ends up being adoption, whatever. Um, I'd like to leave a legacy, like having something left behind, uh, positive footprint of my past and my values in, in, in terms of like having kids that share those values and like what, what I've done in my past and they continue that on that, that would be powerful. Like to have at that point, have the grandkids and, maybe more, but, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's what it's all about. That's all. There's plenty of kids, people out there that don't have any desire to have children. That's not important to them, but I think that's what all this is about. That's what, that's why we're here. We're, we're here to pass it on. And if there's no one to pass it on to, it's not a failure by any means. I have family members that are older in their fifties and sixties and don't have kids. Um, but, the fulfillment it's just not the same it's just not so there has to be either uh offspring to pass it on to or something in its place to pass it on to and for me i maybe i haven't yet just discovered that thing yet i don't know but just looking at it right now i really want to start a family with you know begin the process right now so that's where i see myself healthy moving feeling good bitcoin flying across the sky and big, big family. Beautiful. And I just want you to stay with this 85-year-old Grant for one moment longer. I want you to feel into his heart. And I'm going to bring us back. I'm going to bring us back into this current day, 2022. And that 85-year-old Grant, he sends back with you a message. What does he whisper in your ear? Have faith. Have faith. Because we didn't get into it too deep, but, you know, faith is tested with, some of the things with uh you know with myself and my wife and just uh you know trying to have kids and had some you know miscarriages and things along the way that just test it tests you like why why is this happening it's funny people that just cough and they have kids and just didn't work that way for us for a, a, a handful of times so to have faith that's it and i do and i do right now so i it's mm-hmm. it's helpful that i've had people around me and my wife has had people around uh, in her life that have been very supportive too but it's still trying and still hard and they at times to like look and you see your friends and they have their kids and they're living their lives and their kids are growing up it's like you feel like it's passing you by right mm-hmm. so you know I, I feel ready for that but i feel like and i have faith i do have faith mm-hmm. things will work out it's all happening for you it's all happening for us if we allow ourselves to see Aho. Bianca, closing words for, for, for this conversation from you. Um, I'm just going to take the opportunity to reflect a little bit of what you have been offering us over the past hour and something, um, because you showing up today. Um, I mean, f- for me, I'm grateful to be holding space as you're sharing this story. But as a recipient and a receiver of your message, you really embody what you stand for, you know, like um, the commitment. It, it reminds me of a Shaolin quote about like uh, the only mistakes on your way to mastery is to not start and to not go to the finish line. And um, 
I think you you show how you've practiced this kind of mindset just with keeping your focus and and taking those leaps of faith throughout your journey so I mean thank you for for doing the work for showing us the value in keeping the practice going my pleasure yeah thank you um so thanks for showing up Mm-hmm. Of course, no, and for no, anyone who wanted to, yeah, go ahead. I would say it's, okay. it's powerful to to share that because, like, I don't sit I don't sit in my life and, and monologue to myself about things. I don't have a podcast myself. I don't. I've spoken this way to others over the over the course of a few years, like uh, other interviews. But like, it, it's helpful. It's very helpful for me to verbalize it and to say it. It's like writing down goals, right? Like. Yeah when you write down goals, it's like that much more likely to make become reality because you're like one step closer to make you've written it. It's one step closer. And it's kind of, it's, it's another version of that where ver- verbalizing it really helps, helps me. So thank you guys for giving me this opportunity. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Abracadabra can, with our words. Can I, we create. can I show you, can I show you one more thing? It's yes. right behind me, actually. Oh. I don't know if you, you noticed it. You know what this is? What? is that it's it's from far away i'm not gonna i'm not there you go you probably saw okay you saw the big words at the top so this is this is the declaration of independence so this is kind of like the overarching theme to our commentary or my commentary today is um is declare your independence you don't have to be free from someone specific not to be like a negative thing necessarily but but uh, just break free break free from something that's holding you back and I'm not like a preachy type of person, but like, this is something that is really important. I find is important to me and I, and it's become more important over the course of time. Um, and maybe it's not to you yet, or you don't really see it uh, as clearly, but once you give yourself the opportunity to be free, there's no looking back. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah to that. I agree. We are free. We are free. We are free. I am free. So- to close, uh, send everyone that wants to connect with you. They can find you on your website, Grant Wiedetz, G-R-A-N-T-W-E-E-D-I-T-Z.com or on Instagram at We Diddy. Um, let's bring our fist in for freedom and celebration. <laughs> Love it. Thank it's you, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you so much, Grant. Thank you so much. Have a great day, guys. Take Bye. care. <laughs>